You guys are not going to believe this one. Get this. This is awesome. Okay. Over 400 congregations in the United States in 49 states, listen, uh, celebrated the 197th anniversary of the birth of Charles Darwin. Churches. They called it Evolution Sunday. And it started by this guy, Professor Michael Zimmerman at the University of Wisconsin. Uh, he began what uh, became known as the Clergy Letter Project, where he encouraged the clergy across America, listen, to sign a letter that says they supported evolution and rejected the Genesis account as literal history. Can you imagine that? Listen to this. You think, oh, nobody's going to sign that. No pastor worth his salt. 10,000, over 10,200 clergy signed that letter. And now they're joining in churches with Evolution Sunday, celebrating Darwin's birth. Okay, now the irony is when this is happening, listen to this, this Evolution Sunday program was being ramped up. The world's leading evolutionist, Dr. Richard Dawkins, we've seen him from Oxford, okay, he was stating the exact opposite message on a television program. He stated, quote, Charles Darwin hit upon a truly brilliant idea that explains all of life on earth without any need to invoke the supernatural or the divine. He says this, people like to say that faith and science can live together side by side, but I don't think they can. They're deeply opposed. And then listen to what he says. The guy on the article said, the clergy, here's the irony, are supporting evolution, but the evolutionary secular humanists are insisting that such a position is unthinkable. Why? Because listen to what Dawkins said. He stated it was evolution that led him into his atheism, right? And that's why atheists like Dawkins are taking glee when they see clergy, pastors, supporting evolution because they know it's a step towards people also becoming atheists. And because of this compromise in the church, listen to his foreboding warning. Dawkins expects that the next generation in the church will see this inconsistency in the clergy's beliefs, quote, and they will soon give up the Bible altogether. And they're laughing at the church. And here's what's appalling about that. I mean, it's not, it's, first of all, churches, period. But you got hundreds of churches, 49 different states, not just some pastors, some clergy, but over 10,000 pastors are actually doing what? They're getting up there and they're holding a celebration service saying, we cannot trust the Bible. You can't take the book of Genesis literally. We did not come from the handiwork of God. We came from an accidental blob. Churches right now, this is how bad it is, right now are supporting atheism and preaching atheism and celebrating atheism instead of God in America. And we wonder why things are going down the tubes, okay? And this is what's wild. Now, folks, did you know that you don't need to go to a seminary? Did you know you didn't need a doctorate in theology to prove that evolution is absolutely bankrupt? Do you know that? In fact, it's so simple. All you got to do is look at a mousetrap, like this guy shares. Let's take a look. A mousetrap has five parts to it. It's got the hammer, which is the mouse's least favorite part. <laughs> then you've got the trigger where you put the cheese, the trigger to set the whole thing off. Then you've got the spring that'll bring that hammer over. Then you have the latch that holds it all back. And finally, you have the wooden base that holds all the pieces together. So you've got five parts that all have to be there in the right place at the right time for this thing to function or it's not going to work. So how could a mousetrap evolve slowly, one piece at a time, by accident over millions and millions of years? It couldn't. It couldn't survive along the way. It couldn't catch mice. Now we know mousetraps, they're not living. Um, but in the living world, we th see things that are much, much more complex than this. Like, for instance, as we've seen many times before, your body with 50, not five parts like a mousetrap, 50 trillion cells, which all have to be there fully functioning or you're dead meat. So if we, believe it or not, without a seminary degree or a doctorate in theology, if we can see that a mousetrap with five moving parts cannot evolve by chance, how many guys can figure out without those degrees that neither will we? You know what? You guys, with all due respect, should kick those other pastors out and start preaching at the church. You do a much better job. You know what I'm saying? That's how bad it's getting, folks. I'm telling you. But here's what's so wild. This is how bad it's gotten. We've been seeing in Romans chapter 1, those who suppress the evidence of God's truth, what are they actually doing? They're storing up his wrath. Now, the suppression is, guess where now it's coming from? 10,000, over 10,000 pastors, hundreds and hundreds of churches in the United States are now suppressing the truth about God's existence. Can you believe that? So churches now are storing up 
the wrath of God. That's how bad it is. That's why I want to take valuable time to get us equipped on this issue because now the church is sliding. Okay? No wonder everybody continues to believe the lie of evolution because nobody's preaching on it and now even churches are preaching with them on it. It's crazy, okay? And so we're going to continue taking a look at the witness of God's creation, okay? And what we've been doing is taking a look at different evidences showing us that God's not just real, okay? Praise God. Uh, he is real, but he's real, and we can have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And we've already seen the first evidence, and we're going to finish it up tonight, Lord willing. That's the evidence of an intelligent creation or intelligent design. And uh, we've seen so far the first 10 evidences that God intelligently designed this world with his intelligence, okay? That was the evidence of the universe, the solar system, the human body, animal kingdom, plant and bacteria kingdom, and symbiotic relationships. I, I gotta drop this little plug in there. Um, you guys remember the symbiotic relationships like the, the bird and the flower and you have to have both at the same time or they can't exist? That's the symbiosis that's going on there. Remember the example of the ant and the acacia tree, right? Remember that thing? Well, uh, after that study... Uh, Robert had done, uh, Tozier had done some, uh, uh, his own studies on that issue, and he says uh, they, that one more thing on that aspect. He says they actually did an experiment and they took the ant just to see what would happen. They took that ant away from that tree and the tree died. Cannot exist without each other. You can't evolve that. You have to be there at the same time. Anyway, but we saw a symbiotic relationship, genetic similarities, and last time we saw common sense logic. And certainly the odds show there's no way that we evolved by chance, okay? And we certainly didn't come from a rock, uh, which is what evolutionists would have you and I believe, okay? I don't think that we're the one, when you look at the evidences, we're not the ones checking in our brain at the door, amen? Okay, if you think we came from a rock, wow, you got more faith than me. Okay, but that's not all. We're going to finish it up tonight, and we're going to see that the 11 evidence of an intelligent creator designing our intelligent world, that's right, uh, is with science, couldn't wait to get to this one because, again, what is the common thread that we've been seeing through our study? They continue to say, even though we're looking at nothing but science, that intelligent design is not science, it's not science, it's not science. When, when you take a look at the laws of science, it's actually evolution that doesn't uphold to them. The Bible does, but evolution doesn't. But again, don't take my word for it. Let's go back to the classic passage, 2 Peter chapter 3, talking about the last day's society, okay? Last day's society, 2 Peter chapter 3, we're going to read verses 3 through 11, you find third peter what do you do chuck it it's not in the bible second peter uh chapter three verses uh uh three through eleven this is awesome okay this is going to tell us what kind of society can we expect if we're living in fact in the last days and you tell me if this isn't happening all around us uh second peter chapter three verse three okay and uh, of course second peter was written by who peter you guys are two for two this is great smart you're intelligent i'm intelligent design. That's right. Let's take a look at verse 3. He says, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, what are you going to see on the planet? Scoffers, okay? They're going to come scoffing, following their own evil desires. What's their motive? Hardcore facts of science? Uh-uh. Following their own evil desires. Pay attention to that. Okay, and here's what they're going to say. Where's this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they what? Deliberately forget. Has this been translated? What does that really mean? Yeah, or dumb on purpose or whatever. And I don't mean that disrespectfully. That's just breaking it down in the vernacular. That's what it means. You're choosing to be dumb on purpose of what? Specifically of the creation account. They, everything came from God. You're going to be deliberately forgetting that by long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. Now, by these waters, also the world at that time was deluged and destroyed. The flood of Noah. By the, the same word, the present heavens and the earth are reserved for what? Fire, being kept for the day of judgment and the destruction of ungodly men. But don't forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord. A day is like a thousand years. A thousand years is like a day. The Lord, he's not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, praise God, he is what? He's patient with you. He's not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. Boom. The heavens will uh, disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Now here's the point. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? Man, we ought to goof off, man. We ought to just live it up for now. Might as well just party hard because you're going back to the ground to be worm bait. No, that's what evolution teaches. Since God is going to do this to the planet, and hello, he's God, which means he makes up the rules, and he's holy, uh, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. 
Direct opposite of what he says these scoffers are going to be. Evil desires, okay, in the context there. And so the Bible tells us that in the last days, when you see a particular group of people, and the context is around the world in the last days, when you see a particular group of people arising on the planet that specifically what? Scoff, and then specifically don't just scoff, they scoff at what? That God is the one who created the heavens and the earth, the creation account, right? So when you specifically see on the planet a massive rise of people scoffing at the creation account, what is it a sign of? You're in the last days. Good thing we see no signs of that. <laughs> it's in the schools and the TV. It, this is one of the most obvious. It's evolution. The rise of evolution has produced this scoffing society, which is one of the biggest factors that we're in the last days. Okay? But again, here's the point that I wanted to bring out tonight specifically on this. Why were they scoffing? Were they scoffing because they just dealt with the hardcore facts of scientific knowledge and they had to use their reason and intellect and they had to follow that evidence and be faithful and honest with it and it led them in the opposite direction towards atheism. What exactly, Tom? They did not want to live a holy life before a holy God, as the text says you should do. They wanted to follow their own evil desires, which means if the Bible is true, we're not only going to see this scoffing uh, rise of people uh, uh, and scoffing specifically at the creation account arise on the planet in the last days, you're going to see that their heart is this. They believe in it because they don't want there to be a God they're following their evil desires. They base this atheistic belief, this scoffing, not on scientific facts, but on the flesh. Do we see any signs of that? Yeah, big time. And I got some evidence at the end of the study tonight as it, well. And then the whole time, though, the irony when you take a look at it, okay, what do they keep saying? Oh, you can't trust the Bible. The Bible's not, it's, it's not a scientific book. You know, you can't trust it. It's a myth, a book of myths, blah, blah, blah. Well, I'll agree with you on the one hand, the Bible is not a scientific book per se. You're not going to get in there and praise God. You don't find these uh, formulas for trigonometry. Anybody glad about that? Praise God. Okay. Uh, but the Bible does not contradict known science. Okay. It's not a science journal, but it doesn't contradict known science. And, and I want to uh, show with you that actually when you take a look at the Bible, it's actually science that is catching up to what the Bible's been saying all along. Okay, but let me take a look at some of those examples, and then we'll continue on in our study. Uh, the universe had a beginning. That's good science, you know. Well, believe it or not, that's Genesis 1, as we've seen several times. Starting with the studies of Albert Einstein in the early 1900s and continuing on to today, science has confirmed the biblical view that the universe had a beginning. When the Bible was written, most people believed the universe was eternal, okay? Some even said that, uh, of, and still today, some religions on the planet say that we, the earth was created by the bloods dripping off of elephants' backs and stuff like that. <laughs> the whole time, I'm not making it. <laughs> okay, and, but the Bible says, no, it came from God. It had a beginning, okay? Uh, and then, of course, the Bible has been proven correct. They know now scientifically that, oh, yeah, everything did start at a beginning point. Uh, the universe is composed of time, space, matter, and energy. Well, read the first page, first three verses of Genesis accurately express all known aspects of creation. In Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, we read, in the beginning time, God created the heavens, space, and the earth matter. And then God said, let there be light or energy. No other creation account agrees with this scientific evidence. The Bible does. Very first page, very first per paragraph. Uh, no new matter is being created. That's, that's good science. Okay, that's actually called the first law of thermodynamics. That's in Genesis chapter 2. It states that the total quantity of energy and matter in the universe is a constant. One form of energy or matter may be converted into another, but the total quantity always remains the same. Therefore, creation is finished exactly like God said it was. You're not going to add to it. It's done. That's science. That's the first law of thermodynamics. Uh, the universe is running down. Psalm 102, that's the second law of thermodynamics, or what they call entropy. This states that everything in the universe is running down or decaying. This happened when mankind rebelled against God, resulting in the curse. And today, modern science verifies the universe is, in fact, growing old like a garment. Oh, by the way, evolution contradicts this law. Evolution says that uh, we're getting better. You know, we started off lower as a slime, and we're getting better, 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 better. That's not what we see. It's actually entropy. We're getting worse, 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 worse. Mankind might even get more creative with your technology, but has that technology made things better or worse? As of the year 2000, just between the U.S. and Russia, we had enough nuclear bombs to blow the planet up six times over. It's, it's so techno no, it just makes it worse. Man is actually devolving worse. That's the biblical account. 
it's not going better, okay? Evolution is actually opposite of that scientific law. Life only comes from life, Genesis 1. This is called the law of biogenesis. Scientists observe that life only comes from existing life. Spontaneous generation, the emergence of all life from non-living matter, as evolution imagines, key word, has never been observed. All observations have shown that life comes only from life. The theory of evolution conflicts with this scientific law. And remember, we're supposed to be the ones that are non-scientific. I don't think so. Uh, the vast number of stars, Jeremiah 33. At a time when less than 5,000 stars were visible to the human eye, God stated way back then that the stars of the heaven were innumerable. Not until the 17th century did we glimpse the immensity of the universe with a telescope. Today, astronomers estimate that there are 10,000 billion trillion stars, which is the one followed by 25 zeros. Yet, the Bible states and scientists admit that this number may be woefully inadequate. And it is. There's testimonies all the time. I forget who did the, one of the latest ones. They specifically zoomed the Hubble Space Telescope into an area that was just pitch black. They thought for sure there's nothing in here. When they zoomed it in on it, you got galaxies, you got all kinds of stuff going on. They, they, they can't count them. And that's exactly what God's been saying uh, from the get-go. Humans are made from the earth. Uh, believe it or not, scientists have finally discovered that the human body is comprised of 28 base and trace elements, all of which were found, guess where? From the earth. Should have just read the Bible. How much cash could we have saved on that study? Right? Amongst many others. Hydrologic cycle, Job 36. Uh, 4,000 years ago, the Bible declares that God draws up drops of water, which distills rain from the mist, which the clouds drop down and pour abundantly on man. Okay? The ancients observed mighty rivers flowing into the ocean, but they never understood why the sea level never rose. Yet today, meteorologists now understand the thing called the hydrologic cycle. And it consists of evaporation, atmospheric transportation, distillation, and precipitation, just like the Bible stated all that years ago. And it's, been, it's been there all the whole time. The jet stream, this is cool, Ecclesiastes 1. At a time when it was thought that the winds blew straight, the Bible declared this. The wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again in its circuit. King Solomon wrote that 3,000 years ago, yet it was not until World War II that airmen discovered, hey, there's a jet stream circuit. There's like a path. And they just figured, just read the Bible. You learn all kinds of great science. Okay? Uh, air has weight, Job 28. It was once thought that air was weightless, yet 4,000 years ago, Job declared that God established a, quote, weight for the wind. Recently, meteorologists have calculated that the average thunderstorm holds thousands of tons of rain, and to carry this load, air must have mass or weight. Wow, you're just discovering that now? Read your Bible. Earth hangs in space, Job 26, while other sources declared that the earth sat on the back of an elephant or a turtle or was held up by Atlas. The Bible alone stated what we now know is true. The earth hangs on nothing. It's in space. Okay? Should have just read the Bible. Uh, oceans contain springs. This is cool. Job 38. The ocean is very deep. The ocean floor is almost in total darkness. It would have been impossible for Job to explore the, quote, springs of the sea that he talked about. In the 1970s, with the help of deep sea diving researchers, uh, submarines, oceanographers discovered, guess what's on the bottom of the floor? Ocean floor. Springs. Didn't figure that out until the 70s. Job said that all the way back then. Uh, with God. Uh, mountains are on the bottom of the ocean as well. Jonah chapter 2. Only in the last century we discovered that, guess what? There's also massive mountains and deep trenches uh, in the depths of the sea. Okay? And, and again, how's Job, just, was Job able to get a submarine to go down there and check it out and then record it? No. Same thing with here with Jonah. Excuse me? Uh, I don't think it's possible. Uh, the sea has paths and channels. This is cool. So not only have a highway in the air, there's a highway in the ocean. Bible have been talking about that for a long time. The sea has paths and channels. Psalm 8, 3,000 years ago, the Bible describes the paths of the seas. In the 19th century, Matthew Morey, the father of oceanography, after reading Psalm 8, okay, he decided to investigate it. He researched and discovered the ocean currents that follow specific paths through the seas. And utilizing, utilizing this data, marine navigators have since reduced the time required to travel the seas by many days. Just hop on these highways that are in the sea, and it speeds things up. Okay? They just figured that out. Life is in the blood, Leviticus 17. Up until 120 years ago, sick people were bled to make them better, and yet many died as a result. That's actually how George Washington died. Okay? So we, uh, they actually bled him. They used to use leeches and stuff. In fact, I believe that the, you know, the barber pole, the white and uh, 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 red stripe thing, uh, that actually used to be a symbol that that was a blood letter there. So hopefully it wasn't just because from all the shaving. <laughs> okay, but seriously, that's what you actually went and said, oh, I don't feel good. Well, you need to have your blood taken out. You got bad blood, right? 
and people actually died, okay? Today, we know that healthy blood is necessary. You need your blood, hello, to bring life-giving nutrients to every cell in the body, okay? They used to do that not long ago. Sexual immorality is dangerous to your health. Whoa, what a concept. Huh. Maybe you should do things God's way. It's healthier. 1 Corinthians 6.18, the Bible warns that he who commits sexual immorality sins against his own body. Now the data confirms that what the Bible's been saying all along, any sexual relationship outside of marriage is unsafe. Do it God's way. Sexually transmitted diseases are off the chart. Okay, you pay a price. You reap what you sow. Uh, disease can be spread by physical contact and you need to have quarantines. That one's in Leviticus 13. Long before man understood the principles of quarantine, God commanded the Israelites to isolate those with contagious disease until they were cured. That's common practice now. Didn't used to be. And things used to spread all over the place. Should have listened to the Bible. When dealing with disease, clothes and bodies should be washed under running water. Specifically called it out in the Bible, Leviticus 15. For centuries, people naively washed in standing water. But today, we recognize the need for fresh water to wash away the germs. You should have just read Leviticus. It was there the whole time. Sanitation, Deuteronomy 23. 3,500 years ago, God commanded his people to have a place outside the camp where they would relieve themselves and bury their waste. Up until World War I, more soldiers died from disease than war because they did not isolate human waste. You should have just did what the Bible said. Uh, atomic fission, 2 Peter 3, that was our text. Uh, scripture states that the elements will melt with fervent heat when the earth and the uh, heavens are dissolved by fire. Today we understand that if the elements of the atoms are loosed, in fact, that's actually the Greek word that's used in there. It's the same word, loose. God's going to loose the atoms in that passage there. There would be an enormous release of heat and energy, i.e. radiation. In other words, like an atomic bomb going off. Okay, Bible talked about that. That's how the, the, the second judgment, we saw the first one's going to be by water. This one, at the end of the millennial kingdom, with the new heavens and new earth coming, God is literally going to tell the atoms, the atoms to be loosed and a gigantic atomic explosion that not only for the earth, but the whole universe is going up in a ball of fire. And God starts over fresh. No more sin, no more death, no more, it's going to be awesome. Okay, but he's going to clean it up. Okay, and that's the good science. Light can be divided. Job 38, Isaac Newton studied light and discovered that white light is made up of seven colors, which can be parted and then recombined. Science confirmed this four centuries ago, yet God said that 4,000 years ago. Light travels in a path, Job 38. Light said to have a way or a path in the Bible. It wasn't until the 17th century uh, uh, that uh, light was, they believed, was transmitted only uh, instantaneously. But we now know that light is a form of energy that travels in a straight line or a path at 186,000 miles per second. A couple more here. Creation is made of invisible particles. Uh, we call them atoms. Hebrews 11.3. Not until the 19th century was it discovered that the visible matter consists of these invisible elements called atoms. God created all mankind from one blood, Acts 17. A 1995 study of a section of Y chromosomes from 38 men from different ethnic groups from around the world proved the biblical teaching that, hey, guess what? We all come from one guy. <laughs> you just figured that out in 1995. Uh, uh, oh, this is a hot topic. Genetic mixing of different seeds forbidden. Did you know the Bible says don't do that? Leviticus 19, read it. The Bible warns against mixing seeds as this will result in inferior or dangerous crops. And now it's starting to come out, there's growing evidence that unnatural, genetically modified crops may indeed be harmful. Oops, you should have read the Bible. Pest control, Leviticus 25. Farmers plagued with insects today, yet God gave a surefire remedy to control the pests centuries ago. You were to set aside one year in seven when no crops were raised. Why? Because if the crop is denied one year in seven, the pests have nothing to subsist on, and therefore they're controlled. But they don't want to do that, and they want to keep it going. So they got to rely on chemicals, and that doesn't always work. And the pests get, you know, just leave it fallow. They used to do it back in Kansas. Uh, you know, I don't know if they do it anymore, but you'd have fallow ground. They'd let it go for a year, and it'd take care of stuff. But they don't want to listen to the Bible. Let's continue on. Olive oil and wine is useful for wounds. Luke chapter 10, Jesus told the Samaritan man to bandage the wounded traveler's wounds with olive oil and wine. Today we know that wine contains ethyl alcohol, which is a great disinfectant. And olive oil is a good disinfectant as well as a skin moisturizer, protector, and soothing lotion. Yet during the Middle Ages and right on up to the early 20th century, millions of people died because they didn't know how to treat and protect open wounds. Could have read the parable of the Samaritan. If you read your Bible, it's right there. Okay, amazing. And this one, last one. Laughter promotes healing. Proverbs 17, 22. Recent studies confirm that King Solomon wrote 3,000 years ago is correct. Quote, a merry heart does good like medicine. 
It's now known that laughter reduces levels of certain stress hormones, which helps us to balance out our immune systems, which helps our bodies to fight off diseases. So repeat after me. Go ahead and do this. Spread the word, even on Sunday. I will always laugh at Pastor Billy's dumb, opening, corny joke at his sermons. <laughs> Don't you feel better? You feel revived. Your liver's exercised. It's medicine. Okay, but anyway, yeah, <laughs> that's right. But anyway, so here's the point, okay? How many guys would say that when you take a look at the facts, all these accusations against the Bible, and they say it's not scientific, and et cetera, blah, 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 but when you take a look at the Bible, uh, it's actually science that's catching up with what the Bible's been saying the whole time. See, that's what happens when you look at the facts. And this is what the scoffers do. They not only ignore the scientific evidence for intelligent design, just keep saying, it's not science, it's not science, when that's all we're looking at, by and large, outside the scripture, okay? But then that's what they do. They attack the Bible and they say, you, it, it contradicts science. You can't trust it. Why do you even quote it? Blah, 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 blah. Yet, when you put their belief system back to back up against known scientific laws, they're the ones who fall short. And I want to deal with just the crux of the issue, the Big Bang issue, at least how they explain it, against science, known science. And you tell me who's contradicting science. It's not God. It's the belief in evolution, okay? And the first thing that they uh, were going to deal with is the Big Bang. And the first scientific law that they deny is the law of cause and effect. Now, I'm just going to stop right here and let you watch that because that is a jamming graphic. That's so cool. You don't even know what in the world I'm saying. You're still looking at that thing. So I'm going to give you time, get it out of your system so we can move on. I know you too will. Let's move on. Okay, now, the law of cause and effect. That was cool. All right, all right. I'll, I love you guys. Does that feel better? Does that feel, okay, let's go back now. The law of cause and effect states that everything, this is a scientific law, everything that happens, happens for a reason, right? Okay, or in other words, for every effect, there's a cause for that effect. You came into this world because there was a cause. It's called mom and dad. Okay, it's scientific law, right? Okay, for instance, if it is discovered that one of my windows is broken, then obviously, logic tells me that something caused it to be broken, right? It didn't just evolve there. In fact, how many guys actually tried that growing up when you broke a window? Dad, it wasn't me. I'm serious. D don't you know science, Dad? It evolved there over millions and billions of years. You got one of those, didn't you, right? <laughs> Excuse me. But then you can apply that to the rest of life. Okay. But that's what the law of cause and effect is. Something had to cause it to happen just like a broken window. That's common sense. You don't need a science degree to figure that out. Therefore, when this scientific law is applied to the Big Bang, we know that something must have caused it to happen, right? Right? That's common sense. That's the law of cause and effect. Okay, so the question is, who or what caused the Big Bang to happen just like the broken window, right? Well, you and I would quote correctly, logically, philosophically, scientifically, Genesis 1-1. In the beginning, God's the one who did it. God created the heavens and the earth, okay? But that's not what the evolutionist says. They contradict science. They say in the beginning, dirt or matter exploded, and here we are. Okay, here's a common textbook explanation of the Big Bang. And by the way, they, it's changed over the years, folks. It's, it, that's, that's another thing that they don't tell you. They act like, oh, all the evolutionists, they all believe the same stuff. The same. Are you kidding me? They don't even agree with each other. I mean, there's so many splits and division within there, it's crazy. Okay? And then they keep changing. They keep making up as you go. Okay, and it's the same thing. The Big Bang Theory began with this guy, Belgian astronomer, uh, uh, whatever, Georges Edward Lemaitre. Now, how many guys know French? Only you know how bad I butchered his name. So, help me out and just stay there. Uh, anyway, this guy, he was further developed uh, by several men back in the 20s and 40s. So, he started it, but the, it continued on. Okay, now, with the help, I'm not making this up, of a research scientist and a science fiction writer named George Gamow, uh, it was promoted in the scientific community using cartoons to illustrate it. And they still use cartoons today, folks. That's all they have. Of course, now they use computers to come up with these uh, animations and stuff, but it's still cartoons because that's all you have for your proof. They make it up. Okay? The theory originally stated that all the matter in the universe was compressed into a chunk of matter, a ball of dirt. Okay, we talked about this before. But at first, the dirt, the chunk of dirt, was proposed to be two light years or about 12 trillion miles across. How many guys say that's a big backyard? Uh, that's a big piece of dirt. But by 1965, that figure was reduced down to 275 million miles. That's a serious reduction. It's still big, but that's, that's, you got your first calculation pretty well off. But then by 1972, it was down to 71 million miles. By 1974, it was 54,000 miles. And by 1983, this ball of dirt that used to be that large was reduced to a trillionth of the diameter of a proton. And this is supposed to be a static, exacting belief system. It changes all the time, folks. So now we've gone from in the beginning, there was a dirt, to in the beginning, there was a dot. Okay? But it wasn't long before reasoning was pointed out 
that this is unscientific. Why? Because of the law of cause and effect. Something had to cause it to happen. I don't care if it was a big, giant, trillion mile piece of dirt. I don't care if it was a tiny little dot. What caused that dirt or dot to happen, right? Common sense logic. That is a scientific law. How can dirt explode on its own, right, is the first problem. How many of you guys are glad when you finally get that day off? Remember those days? Anybody read articles on those things? I'm trying to find one. <laughs> days off. You're in a day off, and you're in the backyard. You finally get in that chair. You're getting ready to take a drink of iced tea, and all of a sudden, boom, the backyard blows up. The dirt just blew up right on you. It's like, golly whiz, i got to now clean it up. I was just trying to relax, and the dirt blew up on me again. I hate it when that happens. And then you just get the front yard all, or the backyard all put together and you put the dirt back where it's supposed to be and then all of a sudden, boom, the front yard blows up on you. You never get any rest. This evolution, dirt blowing. Dirt doesn't blow up by itself. How many guys can figure that out without the seminary degree? <laughs> That's what the whole premise is. How does inanimate matter animate something? How does dirt blow up? The only way it can blow up okay, is there had to be a cause to that. Somebody put a landmine in there. Somebody dribbled chicken juice on the chemical. I'll go for that. Okay, but excuse me, that denies science. And that's the core issue, that it blew up. It's crazy. So the question is, who caused the dirt to explode and where did it come from? Dirt can't create itself and it certainly can't explode on its own. That's not science. Well, believe it or not, after this was pointed out, they've now gone from a huge chunk of dirt to a dot to literally nothing. Because, see, we, we actually help clean up their mistakes. Because we point out logically and common sense, excuse me, where did the dirt come from? Excuse me, dirt doesn't blow up on its own. Something had to cause it, like a bomb or something, okay? Anyway, so that's right. So they now teach that nothing exploded, and here we are. And that's supposed to be science. Nothing, nothing exploded. And here we are. Wow. No wonder our education's going down the tooth. Uh, here's, listen to him yourself. Listen to this quote. This is wild. Uh, Alan Guth and Paul Steinhardt, they say this in Scientific American. Quote, It is then tempting to go one step further and speculate that the entire universe evolved literally from nothing. Whoa, that's interesting. Isaac Asimov, uh, there in a neat picture there, he quoted in Science Digest, as it was saying, quote, I'm not making this up. He said, listen, where did the substance of the universe come from? If zero equals plus one plus divisible by negative one, then something which is zero might just as well become one and negative one. How many guys would say that he need to shave the lamb chops off there? You know what I'm saying? It's creating heat. Uh, it's overworking. Whoa, what did you just say? Hey, he keeps on going. He said this, perhaps in an infinite sea of nothingness, globs of... Whoa, 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 stop! You have a sea of nothingness. Where'd you get your glob? <laughs> right? How did you make the transition from nothingness to, oh, globs? That's not science. Okay? Globs of positive energy and negative energy in equal size pairs are constantly forming and after passing through evolutionary changes, combine once more and vanish. We are in one of those globs and periods of time between nothing and nothing and we're wondering about it. Yes, we are wondering about it, Ron. How could that be printed and called science and taught in schools today? You've got to be kidding me. Yes, we're wondering about it, and we're wondering how it can be called science. By the way, Isaac Asimov, he's another science fiction writer. Comes in handy when you're making this stuff up, you know, tell a good story. Okay, but once again, this is against this law of cause and effect. Okay, how can nothing explode? Nothing cannot cause something. If ever there was a time when we had nothing, what would we have today? Use your... Nothing, exactly, okay? But since we have something, then we know scientifically that something must have caused it to happen, okay? And that's why when it comes to the Big Bang, the whole core of this issue, it is unscientific, and the only scientific explanation that agrees with known scientific laws, the law of cause and effect, is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So go ahead, you can clap for those people if you feel better. Uh, rather than disproving the existence of God, Scientifically, the Big Bang proves the existence of God. That's science. So when somebody comes to you and says, we know there is no God because of the Big Bang, they just told you they don't know anything about the Big Bang. And they're actually denying science. The Big Bang, the fact that they know scientifically there was a beginning, proves there's a beginner. The law of cause and effect says somebody had to cause that. Dirt doesn't blow up 
on its own. And praise God for that because I can get a day off now. Uh, they deny also the second one is what's called the uh, conservation of angular momentum. How many of you guys read that this morning in the back of your Cheerios box? Wasn't that neat? It was right there under riboflavin, which you're still wondering, what kind of a vitamin is that? I don't know. You just eat it anyway. Anyway, so this is it. And they denied this law. Okay, and this was kind of cool. This law basically states that when an object is spinning, okay, and objects break apart off of that, then the pieces that are flying off will spin in the same direction as the original object, right? So if it's, it's spinning you know, this way and something breaks off, it's going to be spinning, right? That's a law. That's the law we just saw there. Okay, for instance, if you spin kids on a merry-go-round in the clockwise direction and you continue to spin them so fast that they actually start flying off. How many of you guys did that? How many of you guys were an uncle? Old enough to do that with little crumb snatcher nephews. <laughs> yeah, I was. Anyway, so that was cool. So you did that, right? And the whole goal is to get them guys to fall off and fly off, right? Okay, well, guess what? Then scientifically, the kids will likewise be spinning in the clockwise direction, right? Okay, until they hit something of resistance like a tree or something like that. Okay, but uh, so let's apply this scientific law that we can even learn from America around to the Big Bang Theory. Okay? If evolutionists, as they say, that a dot or dirt or whatever or nothingness was spinning around, which by the way, how can nothingness spin around? Okay? Uh, but that's what they say, spinning around uh, really fast before it exploded, then logically, if that's true, okay, then everything in the universe should be spinning in the same direction, right? Everything came from this ball of dirt that was spinning, and pow, then everything's going the same direction, right? That's, that's science. Easy, easy science. Well, we got a problem. Everything is not spinning in the same direction in the universe. We have galaxies that are spinning backwards. We have stars that are orbiting backwards. There are two planets in our solar system, Venus and Uranus, that are spinning backwards. And out of the, all of the known moons in our solar system, at least 11 of them are spinning backwards. Four of them are traveling backwards, and two uh, planets have moons going in both directions at the same time. Excuse me? Uh, and I kid you not, one guy asked an evolutionist about this to explain this backwards motion of celestial objects when everything's supposed to be from a spinning dot that's supposed to be spinning in the same direction, according to science. Well, believe it or not, the evolutionist says, I don't know, how do you think it happened? <laughs> and here's what the Christian guy said, this is cool. He said, well, it's very simple, sir. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God did it that way on purpose just to make the Big Bang Theory look stupid. <laughs> Oh, God always has the last laugh. Okay, but then the final law is the law of God. Okay, the law of God is what they deny. Uh, you see, the question is not whether there was a Big Bang, because there was. We know that God, scientifically, logically, and biblically, was the uh, cause to that effect. Okay, but also, which bang are you talking about? So when somebody talks to you about the Big Bang, you need to approach it, I'd say, also in this fashion. As we saw in the Bible there, 2 Peter 3.10 says, But the day of the Lord is going to come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. Great noise in the Greek there is literally Big Bang. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat in the earth also, and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So what's interesting is, again, great noise is literally Big Bang. And so that shows us scripturally, yes, there is going to be a Big Bang. It hasn't happened yet. So the next time somebody asks you if you believe in the Big Bang, you need to say, oh, yes, I do. And you better get saved and get ready for it because it's coming. Okay, that's the Big Bang that you need to be uh, concerned about. Okay, but you take a look at the facts. And once again, the Bible is not the one that is unscientific. The very core issue, the Big Bang, where all this is supposed to have started, is the one that denies science. Okay, and uh, you have to have science fiction writers to help you out to make it possible. And that's why one guy said this. Okay, listen to this. Some scientists are actually saying the same thing. Some scientists are now actually coming out and saying that evolution is, in fact, detrimental to science. One guy is this. This is W.R. Thompson, and he wrote this into the introduction to Charles Darwin, Origin of the Species. Listen to what he said. He said, quote, scientist, he said, I am not satisfied that Darwin proved his point or that his influence in the scientific and public thinking has been beneficial the success of Darwinianism has been accomplished only by a decline in scientific integrity. Did, did you catch what he just said? He said, first of all, evolution is not a benefit. He's not convinced that evolution is not a benefit okay, to public or science. And the only reason why it has progressed has been a decline in scientific integrity. In other words, the only way you can continue to progress it is to deny Science. That's what he's saying. 
Okay? And that's exactly uh, what they're doing. Now, let's get to the final one. The second fact, and this is the second half of the scripture there, uh, the point I wanted to bring out there in the first part, uh, is the science of the heart. Okay? Not only the science of the Big Bang, but the science of the heart. Okay? Now, this kind of dovetails off our whole study and the constant theme uh, that was built there. And if you notice that throughout our whole study, when it came to this issue of intelligent design, the evolutionists denied the clear scientific data that supports biblical creation, God's design, his handiwork, all the way from the telescope, all the way down to the microscope, right? They ignore that, they deny it. Right? Even though it's right there. Then we saw they darkened their eyes to the truth concerning symbiotic relationships and genetic similarities where they now know with the Human Genome Project or just DNA studies in general, it is impossible genetically for anything ever to evolve into another kind. You can have different variations of species like a big dog, small dog, black dog, white dog, okay, but it's not going to turn into a whale. They know that. So they've darkened their eyes to that. They've also consistently defied, as we saw last time, common sense logic and certainly the odds. They know it can never happen. And then they're the ones who are checking in the brain through the door with all due respect and say that we came from a rock. Right? And now they're saying that nothing turned into a glob. And dirt exploded on its own. Okay? Now, here's the whole point. Why would they do this? Why in the world would these guys do this when all the evidence absolutely points in the opposite direction? Okay? I mean, because I really think, with all, again, all due respect, a lot of these people, I'll, I'll guarantee you, they've got much higher IQs than all of us, myself included. I guarantee you, they're extremely intelligent. The degrees on top of degrees. I don't discount that. So the point is, that, wait a second, with all your intelligence, with your high IQ, how could you persist in this direction? Well, folks, believe it or not, God not only predicted that evolution would appear on the scenes, the scoffing account, nearly 2,000 years ago, but as we saw, God told us the real motive. And the real motive was, the reason why these guys are going to do this has nothing to do with science. It has nothing to do with hardcore facts of science. It has to do with their hard heart, their evil desires. They don't want there to be a God, so they will choose to believe in something completely ignorant. They will deliberately forget the evidence, and say we came from a rock and dirt blew up on its own. Now, here's what's wild. Believe it or not, there are some evolutionists out there who are honest enough to admit this. The only reason why I believe in this is because I know what the alternative is and I refuse to go there. I deliberately choose to go this direction towards the rock. I came from a rock. And some will even admit, yep, I don't want there to be a God. Because now I can do whatever I want. Okay, let's take a look at some of these examples. Here's an interesting quote from Dr. Francis Crick, the co-discoverer of the DNA molecule, very intelligent scientist. He said, biologists must constantly keep in mind that what they see was not designed, but rather evolved. Now, why would he say that? Because he knows as scientists look at the living world, and especially the DNA, it looks so much like it was designed, but he wants them to know, I know it looks that way, but it was just evolved by accident. There's no design there. Why would he say that? because he's an atheist. He won't even allow himself to consider that maybe God actually designed it. So he comes up with ideas that maybe there are intelligent aliens out there that created life somewhere else in the universe where we can't see it, sent it to our planet on spaceships in seed form, and then it grew from there. Again, he goes that route because he's an atheist. He's already limited his conclusions, and he won't even consider that maybe God created life. Now we have Richard Dawkins. We refer to him quite a bit. This is what he had to say. Biology is a study of complicated things that give the appearance of having been designed for a purpose. <laughs> well, maybe they actually were designed for a purpose. But again, he can't consider that. He's one of the world's leading atheists. He won't even consider that maybe God exists and maybe God actually designed it. He's ruled that out right from the beginning. Then we have Darwin himself, who said, if it could be demonstrated that any complex organ existed, which could not possibly have formed by numerous successive slight modifications, my theory would absolutely break down. Well, now what did he mean by that? He meant if we ever find something that is so complex and so intricate that you got all these parts that work together and they all need to be there at the same time, it couldn't have evolved one piece at a time because it wouldn't be able to work or survive along the way. They've all got to be there at one, one time. Well, we've seen many things like this in the living world that basically show that evolution is virtually impossible. That's from Darwin himself. So he predicted if you find this, the whole thing falls apart. Well, guess what? We find tons of that, so the whole thing falls apart. 
So even Darwin admitted that, to give him credit, if you will. So why do these other evolutionary atheists refuse to even listen to Darwin? Because they don't want there to be, they, don't, they refuse. They said, I, I just, I cannot accept that. I won't go there. I refuse to even think about that. That's not science, folks. Gets even worse and it gets even more blatant. Let's take a look. George Wald, he stated this. When it comes to the origin of life, there's only two possibilities. Creation or spontaneous generation. There is no third way. I agree with that. It's either God or not. Okay? He says spontaneous generation was disproved how long ago, folks? 100 years ago. But that leads us to only one other conclusion. That of supernatural creation, i.e. God did it. We cannot accept that on philosophical grounds. Therefore, we choose to believe the impossible. That life arose spontaneously by chance. That's exactly what 2 Peter 3 says. We deliberately forget on purpose because I don't want there to be a God. He just admitted it. He's fulfilling Bible prophecy. These are the kind of people Peter said are going to rise on the scene when you're living in the last days. Gets even more uh, apparent. Arthur Keith, he's the author of 20 books defending evolution. He wrote this. He said this. Evolution is unproved and unprovable. He says that we believe it because the only alternative is special creation, and that is unthinkable. Excuse me, this is supposed to be science? Richard Dawkins, he said, this is great. Darwin made it possible to be an intellectually fulfilled atheist. I don't need to believe that there's a God. Intellectually, I can do whatever I want. Excuse me? H.G. Wells, listen to what he said. He said this, here's the, the, the facts. If all animals and man evolved, then the entire historic fabric of Christianity, the story of the first sin and the reason for atonement collapses like a house of cards. And that's true, right? Because it denies everything we believe in. Okay, and you can't trust one iota of the Bible if you can't trust the first page, right? And, and over 10,000 pastors now are saying, yep. And they're like, are you kidding me? You're digging a hole. You're saying everything we believe. And that's why Dawkins in the beginning said, ha, 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 ha. wait till the next generation. Because they're going to see this inconsistency in the church and they're going to become atheists just like me. You think society's bad now? The generation growing up who's been indoctrinated in nothing but this live evolution, it's going to get horrific. You train a kid from Wehi, there is no God. They're going to raise up and become an adult who acts ungodly. They're going to act like there's no God. And it's going to get worse. Pretty soon they're going to be in power and they're going to start making decisions over you and I when we get to live and when we don't. Evolution, folks, is one of the most dangerous things ever. Huxley said, I suppose the reason why we all jumped at the origin, Darwin's origin of species, was because the idea of God interfered with our sexual mores. Right? Because if there is a God, then you need to do what he says. Like, thou shalt not commit adultery, you shall not do sexual immorality. Except, oh, you get rid of God and you can do whatever you want. At least admit it. And this one, Bertrand Russell, evolutionist and philosopher, he said, getting rid of the idea of God freed me up to my erotic desires. 2,000 years ago, Peter predicted, uh-uh, has nothing to do with science, this scoffing. <sighs> Evil desires. Isn't that wild how the Bible has just come to life? In our generation, okay? Has nothing to do with science. And yet the whole time in our study, when you bring out intelligent design, what do they say? It's not science, it's not science. <laughs> Liars. Liars. And all you got is cartoons for your evidence. Okay? And the power of the media and the educational system. That's where people continue to believe in. And when you think about this, I got to think about this. When you think about how much this is crammed down our throats day in, day out, in the TV, in the History Channel, uh, educational system, in the kids' movies, you can't get away from it. It's everywhere. It's crammed down our throats, whether we like it or not. Everywhere we go. I don't know about you, but it, it almost becomes un-American. You know what I'm saying? Because we don't even have an option. You won't even let us talk about the alternative. And then when we talk about the alternative, you shut us down. It's, that's, not, that's not education. That's Soviet-style indoctrination. You don't give us the chance to even talk about the alternative. Okay? And you call it crazy and whack and all that stuff. In fact, I'm not the only one that said it was un-American. Uh, so did our founding fathers, believe it or not. Uh, here's what they wrote uh, in the Declaration of Independence. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station of which the laws of nature and the nature's what? Cosmic accident? Blob? A dirt that blew up in your backyard? 
earn space? Where? No. Nature's God entitled them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their who? Creator with certain unalienable rights that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So the Crone translation of that is, okay, my, if you as an evolution want to believe as an evolutionist that we all came from a spinning ball of dirt and dirt blew up on itself or we all evolved from a rock, hey, that's your prerogative. But you have no right to sit there and cram it down my throat. In fact, I got a theory. Uh, if you don't want to believe in a creator God like our founding fathers did, then maybe it's time you go create your own country and leave ours alone. That's the issue, okay? Evolution, when you look at it, folks, is dangerous and it's not scientific. It requires more faith than what you and I stand on every single day. And I'm telling you, folks, it's not only something that we go, oh, wow, that's interesting. I'm glad you shared that. Now with the churches caving in, even more so, it's important for you and I to take this information and get busy sharing it with other people. Because now the church is even to be impacted. The numbers are getting less and less for people to speak out and let people know you're being lied to. And not just when it comes to our founding fathers and our nation and what it was founded upon and the Christian ideals. But it's don't miss out on eternity. Because this lie is going to lead you straight to hell. And we need to get busy telling the truth, even the scientific truth. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness, or the wrong things that we have done, have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin, or unholiness, uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy, we're not perfect like Him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you have ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay? How many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay? Well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief. Okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy. Okay, and folks, let's be honest, we've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that, and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? 
Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, we will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that? right now well this has been pastor billy crone of sunrise baptist church and and get a life ministries and if there's anything that we can do for you uh please don't hesitate uh to contact us uh our number our information will uh come up here on the screen shortly and uh, uh if there's anything we could do for you please don't hesitate to let us know uh thank you for uh joining us and uh remember i hope to see you in heaven god bless Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 
800-242-8599. Or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com. Or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.